3: Hello and welcome to 30 for 30 podcasts from ESPN Films and ESPN Audio. My name is Jody Avergan. There are many levels of professional baseball. There's the big leagues, Major League Baseball, then there's A. that's one step down, then there's AA, A-ball, Rookie Ball, Winter League, and you keep going down all the way towards the bottom, there are the Independent Leagues. Technically professional in that players get paid something to play baseball, But those leagues exist several planets away from the show, as they call the majors, and most of the players in those leagues will never come close to putting on a big league uniform. They'll play in tiny parks in front of near-empty bleachers until reality finally sets in and they hang it up. For one summer, though, there was someone very different among them. One of, without question, the greatest baseball players and personalities of all time. And that's what this week's episode, produced by Pineapple Street Media, is all about. The Undefeated's Clinton Yates tells the story. A quick word of warning, this episode contains mature language. Okay, here we go with Ricky Won't Quit.
4: Looking back, I don't know if I would trade that for
5: the world. I wouldn't rather have been anywhere else when this whole year happened. In the spring of 2005, a construction worker named Nick Guerra went to an open tryout for a baseball team. The San Diego Surf Dogs, that's D A W G S, in the brand new professional league known as the Golden League. Told myself I was done with
4: baseball. I told myself that this wasn't the life I want anymore. And a couple years later I get the I get that phone call from Brian Condro, my my coach at the time. And he's like, Hey man, there's a tryout coming up. You gotta go play. You gotta go play. I know you can still play, man. So he showed up
5: at spring training. And on the first day
4: Another catcher Comes up to me and he sees I got a catcher's glove on too. He's like, "Hey man, you got so, you want you got somebody to play catch with?" And I was like, "No, I'll play catch with you." We're heading to the line, and then right around that time, you see cameras. You see this entourage. Nick just stood there, stunned. I nah, just looked bigly. He had his glasses. He looked old school, though. I'll say that. He had the same hair. He had the same style. There's just a presence. There's a charisma. There's a there's just something you can't help but look. Walking straight
5: toward Nick was Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson is just a great ball
6: player. I just think I'm a big part of the club and everybody uh, depend on me. The only way to play is Ricky way of playing. I think Ricky Henderson is just a great story. <laughs>
5: Good or bad. The greatest leadoff man of all time. Ten-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, American League MVP and one of the best power hitters in the game.
7: And he gets a high fly ball to left field and that one is carrying and back goes-
5: He was also, of course, the greatest base dealer of all time.
7: And Ricky's running in the first pitch. A throw by Ron Karkavise. is not in time. Ricky has stolen the base.
5: Nick and his brother used to take turns pretending to be Ricky in their backyard. And now, here he was, standing in front of him, wearing a surf dog's uniform. He comes walking up down the foul line and he's like, Hey, you got anybody to play catch with?
4: (laughs) And I was like, no, I don't. I was like, no, I don't. I was like, hey, man, sorry. (laughs) Ricky Henderson wants to play catch with me. I'm I'm, going to play catch with him. I couldn't feel the baseball,
5: you know? When Ricky stepped onto the field to play catch with Nick Guerra, dude was 46 years old. He'd been playing professional baseball for 29 years. And while almost every one of his teammates from the 80s had retired, Ricky kept playing.
0: Just before the trading deadline last night at midnight Eastern, the Toronto Blue Jays acquired Ricky Henderson.
5: And playing all through the 90s and into the 2000s.
7: As expected, Ricky Henderson has been traded north to the Angels in exchange for three minor leaguers.
8: Ricky Henderson's foray into free agency is over. He and the Padres have agreed to a one-year incentive-laden contract.
5: Even after getting his 3,000th hit at age 42, There it is! There it is! Number
1: 3,000
8: for Ricky Henderson!
5: arguably the last milestone that he could possibly achieve in his historic and record-breaking career he still wanted to keep playing.
3: Well, Ricky, I hope we get to see you next year because I'll tell you what, it's been fun watching you play. Congratulations.
6: Thank you again. I'll
0: be back.
5: Ricky came back all right. In 2002, Ricky became the oldest player in the American League at 43 years old.
0: In nearly 200 bats for the Red Sox, Henderson's on-base percentage was 369. higher than Johnny Damon's, higher than David Eckstein's, higher than Alfonso Soriano's.
5: Then, when the 2003 season rolled around, No one signed him. So he signed with the Newark Bears of the Atlantic League, an independent league completely outside of the Major League Baseball system. It's about as far away as you can get from the bigs and still consider yourself a pro ball player.
0: You're the only player in Major League history who's the all-time leader in three major statistical categories. You know, you're the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. You're going into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. A lot of people say... Boy, why is Ricky Henderson still doing this? And your answer is.
6: Still, I love the game. And if I don't think people would really be asking me why I'm still doing it if I was in the major league, it should be a thrill that at my age and the condition that I am, that I could go out there and play the game.
5: One theory was that Ricky was doing it for the money. His agent, the legendary Jeff Boris, put that idea to rest.
9: I mean, obviously, there's some guys along the way who've made you know 100 million dollars and they have nothing to show for it at the end of the day Ricky was never one of those guys that I was worried about
5: Ricky certainly wasn't doing it to get rich The Newark Bears paid him $3,000 a month but according to Sports Illustrated Ricky's rent was 4 grand
9: a month Ricky Henderson Ricky is embarrassing himself with the Newark Bears in
0: an unaffiliated league Rick, you're the greatest leadoff man in the history of the game. You shouldn't be balling with beer salesmen and truck drivers. Now go home and wait for the Hall of Fame to call.
5: After two seasons in Newark, a frustrated Ricky decided not to continue with the Bears, but he didn't go home and wait for the Hall of Fame call. Instead, 45-year-old Ricky Henderson got on the phone with his agent, Jeff Boris, and said, what can you do to keep me in the game?
9: As an agent, I have never been bashful to tell a guy it's time to take off your jersey. If a guy can no longer compete at a major league level, I will be the first guy to tell him, I think the time has come for you now to, you know, get on with the rest of your life. But with Ricky, even though when he got into his 40s, I never felt that way about him. Looked like his body was chiseled out of granite.
5: Baseball, at least the way Ricky Henderson played it for as long as he played it, is hard on the body. And the guy was a shoe in for the Hall of Fame everyone wondered what he was doing, why he kept going. But his teammates learned retirement was a word that did not go over well with Ricky. Dave Stewart was a teammate on the Oakland A's in the 90s.
6: At the time that I decided I was going to retire in 1995, he was as mad at me about retiring as anybody I could have imagined. And I I got it. I mean, he's a close friend, one of my best friends. And He was very, very disappointed in me and didn't speak to me for a few days. And his thought was that, you know, you love the game. And and he asked me that. I said, yeah, I love baseball very much. And I enjoy playing it. But I don't enjoy playing it like I'm playing it. He told me that 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 wasn't a part of the plan. And he thought that I was premature in making a decision that I was making to retire. And I told him,
5: he's not in my shoes. Paul Abbott was a pitcher who played with Ricky when they were both with the Seattle Mariners. I remember him watching the Hall of Fame ceremony on TV, sitting there with
7: him while we were in the cafeteria, the, the, the kitchen eating lunch, and uh, him speaking up saying, you know, I don't want to be there. We're like, what? He said, nah, I don't want to be there. Like, what are you talking about? He goes, because if I'm there, I'm not here. That means he was done playing. He didn't want to be done playing. He, he wanted to play forever.
5: In the spring of 2005, Ricky got a call, not the one he was hoping for from a big league GM, but from this guy.
0: My name is Dave Cavill. I started the Golden Baseball League as a class project when I was back at Stanford Business School. Dave's league wouldn't be
5: affiliated with Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball, for that matter, but it was still baseball.
0: We felt that there were a lot of communities in the western United States that lacked baseball teams because a lot of these cities had grown Like places like Chico, California, Yuma, Arizona could be supported with new minor league teams. Everyone thought we were crazy, which we probably were. The Golden League would consist of eight teams,
5: including the Chico Outlaws, Surprise Fighting Falcons, Yuma Scorpions, and the San Diego Surf Dogs. But Dave's startup league would need some sort of attraction to get it off the ground. That's where Ricky came in.
0: And so we would just talk about like what it would mean to play in the league, be a part of something exciting and, you know, promote baseball in a lot of new communities and get young people excited about playing again. Somehow it worked. The Golden League didn't have a lot to offer, but Dave promised Ricky he would be treated like a star. I think he liked the fact that it was a brand new league, that it was almost Ricky's league and that he was almost larger than life in the whole experience. And that kind of fit his ethos and who he was.
5: Dave Cavill knew exactly who he was negotiating with and how to get his attention. Ricky had always had a reputation as a player with a huge ego and generally just was kind of a weird guy. He would talk to himself on the field. He would speak about himself in the third person. Bomani Jones is a host for ESPN.
7: General Manager Padres once said that they're talking to Ricky for a contract because Ricky was negotiating his own deal. And he gets a voicemail that says, this is Ricky calling on behalf of Ricky. Like, so even when he is being his agent, the agent gets to be in the third person.
5: Ricky used to work out in front of a mirror while repeating his own name. He once asked for a Winnebago as a bonus in a contract negotiation. Is this a true
4: story? In the early 1980s, the Oakland A's accounting department was freaking out because their books were off by a million dollars. They realized the GM had given you a $1 million bonus check, and instead of cashing it, you framed it and hung it on the wall in your house.
6: That's true. That's,
3: that's true. true. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Fell asleep on an ice pack, got frostbite,
7: and missed three games. In the middle of August. Yes, that's with Toronto.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you missed three games with frostbite in August.
5: Yes. Ricky was perfectly comfortable with Ricky as we were trying to figure Ricky out. Then there was the moment in 1991 when he broke Lou Brock's base stealing he record. A pitch He's gonna have
7: it. He does. Ricky Henderson. No contest. Steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings and holds it aloft, representing number 939.
5: He took third, which is the toughest base to steal by the box.
7: He stands up, he picks the bass up, he holds it.
6: Luke Brock was the symbol of great bass stealing. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you.
7: Today, I am the greatest of all time. And I don't think anybody would expect anything less from Ricky Henderson.
2: He used to always see Muhammad Ali say that I'm the greatest. Fred Atkins has been Ricky's best friend since childhood. That's what Ricky meant. It wasn't like, I'm this and Lou Brock is that. No, he never meant that. But people took it out of context and looked at it and wrote it like he said, I'm better than Lou Brock. No, he never said that. Muhammad Ali said he get cheered for it. People cheer and clap for him when he said it, but because Ricky Henderson said it, they said that he was wrong for saying it. I didn't look at nothing wrong with saying that.
5: For other people, it was proof of Ricky's arrogance the value of humility
7: is preached and reinforced all over the place. And that's, that's what it comes down to. And he did not subscribe to that. And that never goes over well.
5: There's a lot of reason to believe that the perception of Ricky's behavior and personality played just as much of a role as his age in the fact that he couldn't get a deal with a major league team. When Ricky joined the golden league and signed with the surf dogs in 2005 at age 46, it was unsurprisingly a huge story.
9: Ricky Henderson at 46 has signed a contract to play for the San Diego Surf Dogs. Can he still play?
5: The move drew all sorts of national media to San Diego, who came to chronicle the curiosity of Ricky's latest attempt at a comeback. But for one local reporter, Tammy Belmain, a great story had just landed in her backyard.
10: I mean, how many opportunities are you going to have to cover the year that a Hall of Famer in this tiny stadium, in this independent league. And I've had to tell friends, it's like getting to watch Bruce Springsteen playing a garage band on Thursdays.
5: Tammy decided to spend the summer following Ricky and the Surf Dogs, writing about them for a local blog. She sat down with Ricky Weekly
10: yeah, you, you right.
5: and recorded a lot of those conversations. ...for
10: you to be willing to severely compromise what you're accustomed to to come here.
6: I think based on Elena because thelash
5: the sound last, isn't always great but there is Ricky Henderson the unlikely star attraction of the San Diego surf dogs
6: and I think that's what this me is giving me the chance to stay in shape and give the, the club uh, a look and saying that I still love the
5: Tammy like everyone else wanted to know why Ricky was there Ricky's answer was always very clear
6: all those to get back to May Lee I think everyone ball player, every kid dream
5: is playing in the major league, and it's still my dream. Sure, I love the game, he said, but I want to get back to the majors.
6: You know, it's the first game, and so far, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's good competition, and especially in, in, the, in the bracket that this league is hosting right now. So I think it's going to be a great
5: league. On May 26, 2005, the Surf Dogs played their first game in San
0: Diego against the Long Beach Armada. It was like a breaking news moment. Ricky was back, and it put this small fledgling independently, the Golden Baseball League, on the map. Pat Sajak was one of the investors in the league. That would, of course, be Wheel of Fortune's Pat Sajak. And so we landed him in a helicopter on the field. He got out and threw out the first pitch. So that was like this incredible moment. The helicopter
5: lifted off, and it was time to play ball.
10: There's the dichotomy of, you know, here's Ricky, and then everybody else on the team looked like they were 11.
6: Let's go, let's go.
5: The game is sold out. 3,000 people all waiting to see if the base-dealing king still had
6: it. Good, nervous day today. Let's
5: go. First at-bat. He grounds out. Second time up, Ricky walks. Then he smacks a double. Nah, just an incredible swing. And comes around to score. But that's not what people are there to see. Well, I know that all of us are hoping that he uh, that he steals it back. Finally, in his fourth at bat, Ricky hits a single, and he's on first base. Right, come on, Ricky. That's what we came. We all
4: came here to see you take it
10: watch and the fingers start twitching and he would hang his hand down and he would twitch his um, four fingers the fingers stop twitching and it gets going
7: now there goes ricky the 2-0 pitch to throw down to second base and henderson slides in safely first stolen base of the golden baseball league goes to ricky henderson who else
5: ricky goes two for three scores a run and gets a steal that's the slide right there that you always see on tv the Surf Dogs win their next game, too. And then later that week... A home run
7: for Ricky Anderson, the first of the season, and the first home run in surf dogs franchise history. It's first of all, only home run so far the season for the <laughs> Surf Dogs. Well, with your mind, you hit the first home run in franchise history that left the left field wall. Well, it was a good feeling that you got the first one out the way.
6: I thought mainly a few of the young guys were going to eventually get the first home run, but so far I got it, so I can brag right now. <laughs>
4: He still ran like a gazelle, man. We'd watch him. We'd we'd have little rundown exercises that we would do. He's 46 years old and could outrun all of us. The guy was in better
5: shape than almost all of us on the team, and we were early 20s. Seth Peach was one of Ricky's teammates on the Surf Dogs. 100% shredded from head to toe, muscular.
7: Henderson will go off and running to throw down to second base. It's not going to be in time. And his sixth stolen base of the season comes here in the first inning.
1: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment.
1: that is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
2: want to do another stomp you out speech.
0: It
3: opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
5: On the field, Ricky was killing it as a surf dog. He and his teammates all felt like winners. But off the field, things weren't so pretty. Here's Jeff Boris.
9: I'm not going to lie, it's pretty bad. I mean, the conditions are horrid. The, the hotels are flea bag hotels. The the clubhouses are dilapidated. I've been to some little league fields that are better than some independent ball places.
6: Oh, we go out and we be catering at the major league level. Now we got to go out to the grocery store and grab some uh, yeah, some uh, bologna and, and ham and some peanut butter and jelly. But other than that, you know, as long as we keep the guys from being hungry and, and give them in the enthusiasm and go out there and play.
4: You know, we get like peanut butter and jelly or some cereal or something, you know, whatever it was at the 99 cent store at that time, probably. Ricky comes out, he's like, man, this is what you guys are eating? We're like, yeah. And he's like, nah, we ain't eating this. One day we had pasta, the next day we had fried chicken and potatoes and, you know, salad and all that stuff. I mean, our spreads all of a sudden become,
5: became good after that. If Ricky was disappointed by the conditions around him, he sure didn't show it to his teammates. He kept everybody loose. You know, he was just another one of the guys.
6: I would tried to mingle with them. I didn't feel like I was as old as they dad or <laughs> I was a dad watching them or I was trying to tell them what to do, you know, be yourself, enjoy
5: yourself. For guys like Nick Guerra, Ricky went from childhood hero to not only teammate, but father figure and friend. I was taking
4: some left-handed swings and Ricky's like, hey man, you got a nice swing. I was like, thanks, you know, but you know, I gotta get on my right my right side back too, and it's not really going like I wanted to. He's like, oh, let's work on it. He's like, I'll pick you up tomorrow before before practice. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we'll come in here and do some early work. And he's like, I'm like, to go shoot. Okay. All right. Heck yeah.
6: Same way. Drop knee. There you go. Oh, yeah. He came down. He hit with
4: me. He's like, man, your swing's
5: still there. It's still there. Like, come on.
6: When you get stiff, you do that. You got
5: Surf Dogs manager Terry Kennedy saw him mentoring some of the guys and started thinking, I've got Ricky Henderson here. Maybe he'd be willing to help me out as well.
7: I asked him, will you take the position players out there to first base and talk about breaks and leads? And he says, sure. I thought he was going to turn me down, but he didn't. He took them out there. And then the other team was, they saw him doing his thing, and they started getting closer. And I said, well, you know, this is a independent league. I said, come on over. <laughs> I just let them,
2: I let them listen to.
4: Ricky took us base to base. He has a little bit different of a first step pushes off the, his inside foot, opens up his, his right foot. On average, he would get five more feet than the average person.
7: He went through the whole thing, it was very good. To be honest with you, I tried to mimic what Ricky did. It definitely wasn't helpful for me. And I didn't have a lot of success doing it that way.
4: I was rounder than I was later on in my career.
5: So I wasn't stealing bags. <laughs> By the 4th of July, the Surf Dogs were in first place. The team was in Surprise, Arizona. And they pulled out a tight game against the Fighting Falcons. The stands were packed. This business school kid idea, on some level, had worked.
4: The fireworks after the after the game, being in the middle of the desert, it's just what baseball's supposed to be. Like it's summertime here in America. Being there with Ricky Henderson, being there just, you know, on a on a big league field, man, this is this is something I'll never forget.
5: Nick remembers looking across the field and seeing Ricky just staring into the sky at the fireworks. And he thought, this has been fun, but Ricky won't be here much longer.
4: I I honestly believed he was going to get back to the big leagues at some point.
10: You wanted it to happen just because, you know, he was so passionate and he so clearly loved the game that you wanted him back in it. You knew that baseball would be better with him in it.
0: Knowing Ricky, I think at 46, he could help a big league team.
1: I think Ricky Henderson can actually make it back. You know why? Why? Ricky can say, I got legs. I got legs. Ricky
6: Henderson's knees still work.
5: In order to get called back up to the majors, Ricky was going to need to put up big numbers, particularly at the plate, to impress clubs. But the problem was that in this league, he couldn't get a pitch to hit.
10: Eight weeks into it, he already had like 63 walks. He told me, he goes, it's not even like, they can't even cheat the pitch. Like, it would be like three feet over his head, two feet below his knee.
5: They were young kids, intimidated by throwing at their childhood hero. Ricky was doing everything he could to stay at the plate.
10: There was one game that umpire had actually lost track of the count. <laughs>
6: Um, I said uh, he was ball four. He goes, No, Donnie, bust ball three. I said, I just know he'll through five, <laughs> and everybody in the stands said, ball four, ball, ball four. I go, that's okay, that's okay. Ball three, ball three. Do you want one? More, yeah. And,
10: he- and Rick is like, no, 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 it's three, it's three, because he just wanted to get a hit. And
6: he threw it way up, and there. I go, I gave you a five. He <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
10: it
6: way up there, so he walked me in. The in the house, so
10: and three, he was you know, so, he so like up. upset be because doing he doing he just wanted to hit.
5: For weeks now, Ricky had been calling his agent daily. Every time it was the same thing. Did anyone call from the bigs? Is anybody thinking about calling me up?
9: I was calling everybody and teams were like, yeah, I love Ricky. I still think he could play, but he's just not a fit over here. We're going with the youth movement. I got some 23-year-old, 24-year-old kid who's going to be playing left field and leading off for me. And so, I mean, I was getting every excuse in the book from the owners.
6: 90 y'all 40. I would just turn the corner and they told me I was too old. Mm-hmm. But now you guys that's 40 years old doing a great job. Right. So what's wrong with
10: me? He got really fired up about why he wasn't then. there was and could before. rattle yeah, off him. all of the players that he thought were in lesser shape but yet still
5: hanging on.
8: He was always looking at the box scores to see who was hitting and who wasn't
5: hitting. That's writer David Gran. He followed Ricky for a while that season
8: and wrote a story about him for the New Yorker. He would often say, "Like this guy, they got this guy over me." Like he was studying the box scores the way like, you know you make like in New York real estate. You know, people look to see the obituaries someone died and they might get apartment. Ricky was
5: frustrated and growing desperate, and he just couldn't understand why Major League Baseball couldn't just give him one more chance.
6: But if you go up there and I can't compete. Hey, you know, you just made me a happy man of baseball. Because now I'm pretty much getting bitter right. of baseball. Because you know, I can't see that a player of, of the class, of the way I played the game, and done so much in the game. And you can't get a chance. To see that I can see if I would...
5: By mid-July, Ricky's numbers started to slide.
7: And now the 2-2 offering on the way called strike three with a curveball. And Henderson drops the bat in disgust.
5: In a month, Ricky's batting average dropped more than 50 points.
7: I mean, everybody has
5: that point of the season when, you know, the bat feels heavy or your hands slow down a little bit. July 31st was MLB's trade deadline, Ricky's last real gasp. Lots of surf dogs were hoping for the call, and lots didn't get it.
10: That first week of August was kind of the sobering realization that you weren't going to get picked up and you were going to be there.
8: He got into a situation that he thought was just going to be a few weeks and it turned into years, and he couldn't get out.
2: So what's wrong with me? What do you think it it is? I don't know. Ooh,
6: baby, I asked so many reporters and so many people, please tell me what it is. I would want to ask the organization, owners, if I had a chance to have a meeting with the owners, tell me what did I do wrong. Mm -hmm. I played the game too Well... I done too much, I got the to too much. It was a
8: trap of his own making. But it was also the trap that when he was invincible he had always gotten out of. He had always gotten out of the trap, right? He could always get off first base. He could always outrun you. And when he failed, he would get right up and he would do it again. And so I think he got into the Golden Baseball League thinking, I'll get out of this. I'll steal this. I mean I'm I mean I'm Ricky Henderson. But Ricky couldn't steal his way out of this one, and he became a different guy out there on the field. He was studying the pitcher for his tell and doing all the things he would do, getting ready to steal. The crowd, the other team, his teammates, were all on edge waiting for it to go. And each time he didn't go. And then as he walked off and he didn't steal, he was cursing about the sun in his eyes. Motherfucking goddamn... You know, and he was furious, and he was furious because he knew he could have gone. And I could tell he didn't run because he doubted himself. And I remember he said something to me at one point that really stayed with me. He he, He said, you know, Ricky is still trying to figure out all the pieces to the puzzle.
2: He just realized that, you know, he had gave the best he could give. And you'll come to a point where you go, I just see that they're not going to give me opportunity. That's Ricky's best friend, Fred Atkins. It's not for any bad reason, but it's for the fact that they feel they want to go a different way.
9: I think it's just, it was a sad ending to the story. I, I would have liked to have seen him go out on his own terms rather than the game turning its back on him.
5: But the story hadn't ended. Ricky Henderson still had one last chance to put on a uniform and go out and play the game. The surf dogs had squeaked their way into the Golden League playoffs.
10: They did the playoffs in a weekend series. It was like a double elimination tournament. And, and I remember Ricky was not thrilled with the format because, oh, that's like my brother's adult softball league.
5: The 2005 Golden League playoffs took place over Labor Day weekend in Long Beach. Maybe it's that he knew it was finally the end. Maybe he felt he owed it to these guys who were his teammates. Whatever the reason, Ricky turned it on one more time. He calls us, calls a meeting, brings us all together,
4: and he's like, All right, guys, got something to tell you. You know, just want to have a little talk. You guys have been carrying me all year. He's like, Now it's time for you guys to jump on my back. Sure enough, comes out first at bat. Blairfield is a monster field it's right on the water the air's thick the ball well, the well doesn't go anywhere
3: there. 1st
5: that half-bat of the game man. Ricky's leading off oh, home run Ricky came to life during the playoffs getting on base hitting home runs he looked like the Ricky of old
7: Henderson digging for second base it'll be a stand double for Ricky Henderson putting runners at second and third for the surf dogs here in the third
4: baseball is like a it's almost like a living thing it like pays legends back. I mean, Cal Ripken in his final All-Star game when he hit that homer, Derek Jeter hitting a home run for his 3,000th hit. It was It's special to see moments like that and to be a part of that. And it wasn't on the stage where everybody could watch it on TV. It wasn't on the stage where everybody could read about it in the paper or turn on ESPN and, and see it. You had to be there to feel that and see that and be in, be there with him. It was the way it was supposed to be. It was the way a legend should be. That's the way he should go out. Just like that.
7: 9 to 6 in the same evening, San Diego captures the first ever Golden Baseball League Championship here at Blair Field. 9 to 6, the Surf Dogs get the victory. And in 2005 San Diego, the Surf Dogs are champions.
10: I wanted him to go and have an amazing second half of a season somewhere. and and then be able to go and give you know some beautiful lovely speech at the end of the game and and go out on this big glorious stage i mean that's the that's the disney ending and then it didn't happen but it still had a happy ending because it was still at the end it was a man in love with the game that he'd always loved and there was something really beautiful about that
5: It's not clear when Ricky officially retired, but he never played another game. The ending that a lot of people had been trying to write for Ricky for a long time, it was here. Looking back on it now, though, that season, it's the opposite of a punchline. Ricky was asked over and over, why is he doing this? And his answer was always the same.
0: Why is Ricky Henderson still doing this? And your answer is?
5: Still, I love the game. I love the game. It's hard to argue with that. He played more Major League Baseball games than all but three players in history. His stolen base record, 1,408 bags, will never be touched. After his year with the Surf Dogs, Ricky did make it back to the majors.
9: (laughs) Ricky Henderson is back on a big league roster. Named to the Mets, staff. Thursday replaces hitting coach Rick Down, who was fired. And
5: then he returned to the Oakland A's, where it all started for him. Today, he's the special assistant to the president, who is Dave Cavill, the guy who started the Golden League.
0: When I took over as team president, it was kind of like really, it had come full circle. Like, I called him, I said, look, Rick, I'd love to work together. And someone who's from Oakland, the greatest player in the history of the franchise, one of the greatest players of all time, someone who knows the game, who loves the game, someone who I've developed a friendship with, that we could be together kind of advocating and advancing this amazing mission is kind of an incredible um, thing to be a part of. I hope everybody's
6: having a great time.
5: On July 26, 2009, like Ricky God. showed up in Cooperstown, New York the to be inducted right. into the, the National Division Baseball Hall of Fame. Dave Stewart, mission. Ricky's longtime friend and teammate was there that day. People were expecting the worst of his induction speech, and he got up and he spoke. Ricky began his speech at the end of his career, acknowledging his years in the independent league.
6: I love the game of baseball. That's why it was so hard for me to walk away from the game.
5: But now, he said, he had nothing left to prove.
6: My favorite hero was Muhammad Ali, he said at one time, quote, I am the greatest, end the quote. That is something I always wanted to be. And now that the association had voted me into the Baseball Hall of Fame, my journey as a player is complete.
5: Ricky finally accepted the honor that for so long he hadn't been ready for it. And here, at the very end, he showed a side of himself people had never seen.
6: I am now in the class of the greatest players of all time, and at this moment, I am very, very humble. Thank you.
3: Thanks for listening to 30 for 30 Podcasts. My name is Jody Avergan. ESPN Films senior producer Aaron Leiden and I are series editors. Our narrator was The undefeated Clinton Yates. Later this week, we'll post a bonus episode with me and Clinton with lots more about Ricky Henderson and the making of this documentary. And yep, as I mentioned, this is the final episode of our season, but there's lots more on the way. And in the meantime, you can always go back into the archives and listen to any of our docs that you may have missed. This episode was made in collaboration with our friends at Pineapple Street Media. It was produced by Agrenish Ashagre and edited by Joel Lovell. The episode was mixed by Martin Johnson and research was by Diane Hodson. The executive producers at Pineapple Street are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Pineapple, by the way, makes tons of great podcasts. You can check out their other work at pineapple.fm. A special thanks to Chris Barube, who was a big part of putting this episode together. Thanks also to Jack Cronin, Juliana Paoli, and Tammy Thelming. Tammy just wrote an ebook about her time with Ricky Henderson in San Diego. It's called The Dog Days of Summer, D-A-W-G, of course. There's a link to it on our website. Super special thanks to 30 for 30's Julia Lowry Henderson, who is project manager, editor, and so much more on this episode. Our 30 for 30 podcast team also includes Michir Caboli, Andrew Mambo, Ryan Antel, and Keith Romer. Vin D'Anton is our associate producer and master of all things archival and more. Connor Shell, Rob King, and Libby Geist are executive producers for ESPN Films. Our development team is Adam Newhouse and Jenna Anthony. The ESPN Films team includes Deirdre Fenton, who had a big hand in this episode. There's also Kath Sankey, Jennifer Thorpe, Louise Arjanis, Maria Delgado, Tom Picard, Paul Willard, Eve Wolf, and Alex Bowen. The ESPN audio team includes Trod Keller, Tom Ricks, Megan Judge, Pete Giannisini, Ryan Graner, Devin McGowan, and Elizabeth Fearman. Fact-checking for this episode was by Roger Jackson. Our theme music was composed by Rishikesh Hirway, host of the Song Exploder podcast. On our website, there's a transcript of this and all of our episodes and lots more. Check it out, 30for30podcast.com. We've got some live events coming up. You can find those on our website as well. Be sure to subscribe to 30 for 30 Podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. We'll be back soon with more 30 for 30.